based on, on the, the feedback that we, we received last week, um, we did, at that time didn't plan on um, continuing, but based on the feedback, uh, we're going to do this Sunday again. We're going to continue in the same theme, okay? And in respect to those who may have not been here last week, we'll do a quick review on part of it, and then we'll go into just a little more specifics of what it actually can look like in listening to understand. I would say that uh, <clears throat> there's many people who just do that intuitively and I do a really amazing job. There's other people who not because of this just within them, but they've been trained, um, meaning they've, they've, they've been mentored. And some of us perhaps haven't had mentoring in it and could actually benefit from it. So for those who, who do this really well and you model it really well, well, just be affirmed in it, and, and, and actually, uh, you will probably have stuff you say, well, you could have said this, you should have said that. It's like, yeah, I, I know. But, uh, but let's, let, let's try to continue it and see if we can have our hearts encouraged, because I happen to think this is a pretty important area. Jesus really talked about it. He that hath ears, let him hear so as to understand. And, and that's, that's what's like uh, so important. So um, it feels like that... <clears throat> Um, there's an area that I certainly want to grow in. Um, it's an area that I want to um, us to grow in because I think the, what the world is looking for many times is just uh, someone to listen. As a matter of fact, uh, I've had several professional counselors tell me this, that many times that their business is built around just listening to people uh, not even giving advice because people don't have individuals in their lives who really listen to them. So they'll pay somebody $100 to $150 an hour just to shut up and listen and not try to tell them what to do. And uh, so I've had numerous professional counselors tell me, hey, if they want to pay me just to listen, I'll just listen, you know. But that does get my attention. And what it tells me is, is that all of us in our world and our society can do a better job of really learning to listen. And um, how many times, um, how many times do um, teenagers say, "Mom and Dad, they, they don't listen to me. They don't listen to me," you know? And uh, and parents can get really frustrated with that. What do you mean I don't listen to you? You know, I sat down and da 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 da. Um, but that's a, it's it's a felt need of all of us, and it's a perspective sometimes that we don't feel uh, really listened to. So anyhow. Jordan, can you help us out and uh, maybe just review those kind of four areas of listening and yeah. review those for us, and then um, we'll kind of try to wade in to a little more specifics. Yeah, uh, how many people are contemplating a career change after hearing the rates for sitting and listening? Just get that out of the way so you're not distracted, you know, make yourself a <laughs> note. But um, just to qualify, you know, uh, even from last week, one of the things uh, I wanted to just qualify myself as a speaker, failure, and recovering non-listener. Um, uh, you know, I, I was professionally trained to do this, uh, you know, hostage negotiations, crisis negotiations, but it didn't seem to help my marriage uh, automatically. That took work. And so this has been actually, at this phase of my life, really a new, newly acquired, reacquired passion of mine to really uh, learn to listen well. Uh, listening is a superpower. It's a superpower. 
uh, when you can connect with another person and they feel heard. It really is. So um, that being said, back, diving back into something we covered uh, last week, we, had, we covered four different kind of types of listening. All of these, as an adult person, you're familiar with. Um, you do all of these. These are just sort of these descriptive, def- definitive uh, parts of it. One is appreciative listening. I think we've got a slides for this. Yeah. It's when you listen to enjoy yourself. Think of listening to music, a motivational speaker, or anything that inspires you. Listening to a motivational speaker is kind of interesting here because that actually is how people listen to motivational speakers. You would think they listen to learn and to grow. Not typically. They listen to just feel that feeling uh, and move on. But um, there is a very uh, appropriate way to appreciatively listen. Uh, You listen to when you put music you know, on, you get to choose what plays, right? That's appreciative listening. And you get to choose what doesn't play. Um, you know, my kids like terrible music. But I'm kidding. Actually, we, we agree on most of it. <laughs> um, but moving from appreciative listening, which is really passive by nature, into something called comprehensive listening. Comprehensive listening is if you're going to sign up to take a class, a course, do something where you want to learn something you don't know now. You want to listen to comprehend. You want someone smarter than you, more steeped in the issue, deeper uh, involved with the history to tell you what the issue is all about. That's comprehensive listening. The key here is that you usually revere or trust the speaker. Um, That's important here because we move on from comprehensive listening to critical listening. Critical listening is often confused with critical listening, which is different. (laughs) We can be critics and listen, or we can listen critically. You know the difference, right? There is a difference, hallelujah, um, of listening to the material, the the data, different things to kind of drill down on what it is, what do you think about this issue? What are you going to... um, decide to, to where you're going to fall, let's say, on, a, on an issue. This is kind of important because think about who you're listening to here. It's people all over, right? It's subject matter professionals, but it is not prerequisite that you ascribe to their point of view. In fact, often the opposite. You differ on some key points, but the listening is critical nonetheless. It's when you listen to form an opinion of what someone else said. This type of listening happens when you're debating with someone or when you're listening to a salesperson. Now, um, I own a Kirby vacuum, so I don't always win uh, at these interactions. You know, the salesman, he beat me, and I am the proud owner of a, I think, the best vacuum in the world, but I have no idea if that's true. Um, (laughs) My critical listening was on, but uh, also, you know, I avoid conflict like anyone else. When it comes to critical listening, one of the interesting things is conversation. When we're in conversation, you generally, if it's someone that you know, have an idea of how much you align or don't align. Um, But then you find out, quote unquote, the devil's in the details, right? especially in church, especially with theology, as we come to find out, even among the same branches, the same factions of Christianity is this broad spectrum 
of opinions and ideas. The important thing about discussion, conversation, and talking is talking is thinking for many people. If you're an introvert, you don't get this. Because when someone says something, you think they mean what they said. Often they don't. If you're me, they don't. I think Galen's a little bit like this. This is what it takes to be the leader, the person willing to um, pick up a microphone. There's some people that enjoy it, but some people that just, they operate in that way of talking out loud is introducing ideas. And if you and I are speaking, we're letting an idea materialize between us. And then the idea of continuing that conversation is to poke and to prod and to push on this idea to see if it stands up to the rigors of reality. It's thinking. You have to talk sometimes to bring something into existence. Sometimes we bring arguments, let's say, points of view, into that discussion. We poke it and it immediately deflates. Okay, back to the drawing board. Next idea. That's as useful as developing a sound idea because you know what to move away from and you know what to move toward. Talking is thinking. Keep that in mind. Lastly, anything about that, by the way? Well, I was just going to say is that there's, um, I don't know what the percentages are, but there's a fair percentage of us who, um, who learn that way, that that's a part of how we function. Right. And what's really challenging, I think, even in parenting If you have more than one child, one child may be very verbal and they need to think out loud, process out loud, and the other child's like totally internal and they just internalize and process internally. So it takes some dramatic difference of parenting to reach each child on their level. Mm -hmm. And so so for the parent, uh, let's say a parent who is very much internal processor, they don't get the kid who is always talking and needing to externalize and needing to externally process. They don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Why are you talking all the time, say? <laughs> and uh, likewise, the parent who has learned the value of outward expression and responsiveness has a hard time then with the child who is very inward and processes inwardly. And that child then needs to learn how to become outward in their expressions and such too, or they're going to have a harder time functioning uh, actually out in the real world. But anyhow, so, so we get personality factors that come into these things that, that there are certain points uh, that, that we'll talk about today that are very easy for some of us, and there's other points that are very difficult for some of us, say, for that same person. So, yeah, yeah well, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, yeah. you, you touched on that. Yeah, speaking of parenting, how many people would go back to the beginning and do it the same way? Like zero, right? Zero of us? Um, because you, you now you did some things right, too. I mean, give yourself some right. compassion. Raising children, we're humans raising humans. At some point, your adults, your children are going to become adults and realize, I was just watching my parents grow up, too. <laughs> you know, I was growing up watching them grow up. Man, circle of life. But that is very true, the different personalities uh, of, the, of your children. But I want to encourage you, just from my heart to yours, uh, all is never lost. Never. Even if you find yourself into a difficult situation where you feel like you have to do so much backtracking with your children, I've received so much encouragement from other people here in New Horizons on that issue, and I want to pass that encouragement along. Um, People living in the real world, dealing with real problems. Um, But just keep growing and learning 
and keep trying, keep connecting. Yeah, you can't change the past, but man, there's a lot to win in the present. So um, anyway, there you go. That's a side note. Last uh, listening, we were on this four-part listening is the empathic Mm -hmm. listening. Uh, This is when you listen to understand. Think of listening when someone shares a personal story and matters of the heart. In this type of listening, you're focused on the other person instead of yourself. Um, I didn't bring another video to share, but one was shared with me in the interim since last week. Sierra Wortman, you know her, she sent me this video. It had me cracking up, talking about someone learning the techniques to empathic listening, and then they were going way over the top. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh uh-huh. And they just keep doing that to the point where you're like, ah! You know, you want to punch them and move on. Uh, you can you can get all of these listening objectives wrong. <laughs> you can listen so good you're not listening anymore, right? Um, you ever been like that? It's like uh, drive-through Dutch Brothers. No offense to Dutch Brothers, um, but they're going to get in your business if you drive through that place, right? They're going to find out what you have going on today, whether you like it or not. They're going to find out what kind of a mood you're in. They're going to find out your life goals. They're going to find out what the relationship is like with the intimate people in your life, and then they're going to send you with a mocha, you know? That's going to happen. Sometimes that drives me wild. Are they really listening? No, but they have learned a useful mechanism, let's say. Then there's Chick-fil-A. You ever been happy you drove through Chick-fil-A? You're in three and a half minutes. They're glad you showed up. They give you plenty of condiments. They prayed for you. They blessed you. They sent you on your... Anyway, that's maybe just my experience, but nonetheless. Real empathic listening, though, is this sense in which I like to think about it this way. How fast can you build a relationship? Not just for efficiency's sake, but how quickly can you become a 10-year friend? Here's a hint. It doesn't take 10 years. It does take time in some senses for that deep trust to be Mm -hmm. embedded, but real listening actually gets that connection on hyperspeed. It hastens it along. You build very deep relationships very quickly. In my chosen profession, in a lot lot of trauma jobs, and Daryl Murphy can probably speak a lot to this too, um, those relationships are hyper-created. They're created very, very quickly because you go from traumatic situation to traumatic situation. That happens naturally. Well, we don't need trauma to develop those things. You can do that by simple connection, by reaching out and actually being present. Wouldn't that be nice? Um, It's really a a miracle what you can accomplish doing that. But that uh, empathic listening is what we would refer to sometimes as active listening. And active listening is a term that's been really co-opted in a lot of different scientific ways. But that listening, that just means I am not asleep, I am not dormant, I am not simply waiting to respond, I am actively learning you. And that takes some courage sometimes, especially depending on the you, right? Is that you someone that I kind of am getting to know, or is this someone like on the other side of the battle line? That person is a lot more difficult to sit in this type of listening with, but um, absent of manipulation, we can accomplish a a great deal. So the bottom line is a scientific dive into how to listen to one another is all fine and good, but what's the point? What's the spiritual point? I was really touched during the offering with the scripture, Jennifer, that you read, um, and it has, I, I just, I don't know why it had never hit me that way before, but he listened to the, the rich young ruler. 
he, he listened to what he said. And the response before even Jesus responds, is that mm-hmm. it said Jesus listened and he loved him. And then, right. it, and then he responded. And I was like, whoa, like <laughs> that was, that's, that's some like master class right. listening because what Jesus did wasn't change him. He, he let him in to impress upon his own heart. Ah, oh, it produced a love, re- an automatic Jesus love response before he right. even decided on how he was going to respond. Whoa, yeah, that's that was amazing. I don't know if anyone caught that. It just hit me funny this morning. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's great. That was that was powerful. I noted that myself. There, it was like amazing. Jesus loved him, and I think that seems to be the responsiveness. Of a, of a heart that really listens and cares is that there's a, there's a love response. Regardless of what's going on in the other person, there's this, uh, this love response. And well, and, and Galen, that, the, the author of that passage right. was even impressed. Exactly. The, the rich young ruler didn't write that. Jesus didn't, wasn't an autobiography. Yeah. It was like so apparent that it was impressed on the writer that, well, this guy said this to Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus loved him and then responded. Yeah. Wow, it just it's a deep, deep thought. I was going to say this in the beginning and actually forgot it momentarily, but some of this stuff that we're talking about, um, I've gleaned from, you know, different places. And much of this is nothing new. It's, it's, it's this, this understanding has been around for years. But there's a couple people that made it very real to me about 25 years ago we had a couple that came here to our church actually moved from salem to be a part of our church uh, dr jerry canning and his wife kathy and dr jerry was a professor at willamette university for many years and he taught also a course he, he was in the philosophy department as a, a phd but so he he trained students along that line but he also did some courses in communication and so um, this is one of the things that he taught. And of course, his wife being a professional counselor therapist, she would have excelled in this as well. But I learned so much from them along these lines that it really, really was so helpful to me is just to not only learn about, but to experience this depth of listening so as to understand from two people there was more than skill. They had a depth of compassion and care about them that I think many people had have, but they were able to process that through empathic listening. It was in a beautiful way. In, in a couple of things that I made note of here, I think we have it too uh, for the screen here, but not listening to understand leads to assumptions and misunderstandings. How many of you ever felt when you're sitting with someone else and you're really kind of concerned that are they really listening to my heart? Are, are they grabbing and getting this only to find out later on, maybe a week later, a month later, a month later, they really didn't hear your heart because now there's this misunderstanding. They're saying, well, you said this, you said that. It's like, oh, no. And it can be so frustrating because the person was apparently too busy going on in their heads, making assumptions and such, because there was that they weren't listening carefully, okay? Um, The reality is, I think I've done that. I've done that probably way more times than I'm aware of. Um, 
And so not listening carefully to really understand with a responsive heart leads to assumptions and misunderstandings. Causes hurt feelings. Causes hurt feelings. I, I, th this can happen in friendships. It happens in marriage relationships. Uh, parents, moms, dads, siblings. Causing hurt feelings. Deteriorates trust. Because if it's something that happens on a regular basis, it really deteriorates the trust factor. And then it causes these questions. I don't know that I want to continue in relationship with this person um, because I, 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 I don't feel like I'm being understood. I feel like I'm being um, uh, maybe accused of thinking certain things that it's just not in my heart to do so. And, and sometimes we do those things with one another. Weakens communication, erodes relationships. You know, we could spend a lot of time on these, but we won't this morning. But I just wanted to put those up before us because when I see these things, what it does, it's a motivator for me to say, ouch, I've experienced this in some relationships. I've experienced it. I've participated myself. I've caused some of this in relationships. Not intentionally, but in looking back, I could see it. Or even in the time maybe when something went wrong, I could realize, oh, man, yeah, my heart wasn't in that. I was not hearing their heart. I was just jumping to conclusions in my mind, et cetera. And uh, so those are some of the uh, tough things that happen uh, when we don't really listen to us to understand. Uh, listening to understand is a Christ-like attribute. And when practiced with family members, friends, and coworkers, and uh, <clears throat> When, when, when we really get this, it really serves to, um, in, in the establishing of rapport. This is like so huge. What's fascinating to me is, is that you can practice this active listening actually with a stranger, with somebody you've never seen before. It's easier with a stranger. And, um, and it's interesting, the responsiveness, because there's a common thing that all of us human beings on the planet want, want. We want somebody to listen. We want somebody to try to understand our hearts. Every human wants that. Every human. I've never met a person anywhere in the world that doesn't desire that. And so we can develop rapport, not a, a deep level, but we can develop a measure of rapport just within minutes just of listening. Body, I did it just yeah, recently. Within seconds, I would argue, your body yeah, posture you're exactly. coming in Yeah. Um, I, I was at uh, Sherry's to, to meet someone um, uh, here recently, and I got there early, uh, about an hour early, and intentionally, and I was going to do some reading and such. And um, <clears throat> there was a fellow there that I'd met before, and uh, I just went over and uh, had remembered his name from a couple years ago, and I um, said hello, and he, hey, how you doing, whatever, and he said, well, sit down. So I sat down. Um, and basically, for the next 40 minutes, I just listened. And by the time I got up, we would, you would have thought we were like buddies, years, friends. Just listen. I just let, listen. He had a tough year. His wife passed last February. And so he's in this phase of life. He's trying to get reoriented, et cetera, et cetera, and on and on and on. But just simply listen. I, I said almost nothing other than some responsiveness along the way. And once again, um, it just reminded me of the power of active listening. So establishes rapport, developing relationships. It's important in connecting at both intellectual and emotional level, improving communication, building trust in a relationship, 
and, and there's so much that we all experience on each one of these points and levels, right? And so a lot of us could, could, could share testimonies or could talk about these individual things. But I like this, uh, <clears throat> um, this quote here I have up for us next. Uh, Carl Menninger, and uh, listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move toward. Wow, isn't that powerful? When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. And I ran into this quote here a couple months ago, and I saved it for today. I said, I've got to share this one because I so relate with it as one who many people have listened to. And I'm going, my heart is drawn towards that person. I was like, hey, can we meet again? Because I felt listened to. I felt understood, see? We move towards them. It does something. It releases life within us. Anyhow, this is just an absolute powerful thing. And, and some of the people that really have done well, and I'm, I want to say um, in, in honor to my own parents, my mother was, has always been a great listener growing up. I remember she would be like, sewing or something and sitting on the sofa darning, the, darning a sock and um, or, or something or other and I'm just talking and I'm one of these outward processors okay so that's her firstborn the outward processor and uh, thank God she's very patient you know an actual patient listener but so many things I was able to process and I'm processing out where and we're looking for a response. She give me a response and then let me talk myself right out of the very thing that I was trying to convince myself of. Because, you know, once I hear it, it, it works better. So anyhow, I've, I've been really grateful for that. My dad was a great listener too. Um, I had a pastor growing up that was a very great listener. This would have been like when I was in my early 20s. He really, really listened. And sometimes I would just go to his house and, and, and share and he would just love to listen. Now, I listened to him, too, because I'd ask a lot of questions. That's always the other side of how I function, but um, it was ex um, interesting. Uh, my wife is a great listener, and I'm really, really grateful for that. She's always been. It's just kind of natural for her, and uh, another person I want to highlight in the room here is somewhere over Stan. Stan Mishler over here, been a close friend for 31 years, I think, since he and Ellen have been a part of our fellowship here. But he is a great listener, and he's willing and always has been patient where I can process in out loud. But this has been so empowering to my life. Um, and as I have others who are such great listeners, it empowered me. It empowered me. And so, like, when, when I went off to college in Virginia, um, my dorm room was the hangout place. Um, and it was a hangout place because all these guys are away from home and they don't have mom or dad or siblings to listen to them. So they come hang out in my room and jabber and talk and dream. And I was just simply listen and listening to them. And so I got to be able to implement this with guys and such. And um, I recognized the power of it and how, how important it was. So I'm still in process of learning how to I think I understand how to. It's more the discipline of it uh, for me. But tell us just a bit about some people that have influenced you, who have been, who really listened. 
Well, I also lucked out and married very well uh, as well. I will spend the rest of my life trying to make it up to her. But, um, you know, my wife is really long-suffering uh, listener and encourager um, that I, I really, frankly, didn't deserve, but she's just a blessing um, in that way. Um, you know, in my life, the, the way I like to think about, if you think about people that listen to you, it's really uh, this quote from Maya Angelou uh, comes back. She says, no one ever remembers what you said. They remembered how you made them feel. And that's very true. Um, you know, the perspective, I mean, there's a lot to, to say about that. But that's when you think about people that listen to you, you're probably not even recounting the conversations. You're recounting how mm -hmm. it made you feel how they made you feel. And I have so many of those people dear to my heart uh, throughout my, my uh, youth. And many of you, you know, I grew up without dad at home. And so there was a lot of, of um, really important people that came in and out of my life at Seasons that really did that for me. Um, uh, David McKay, who everyone knows, he's been a big just friend of mine for uh, many years back to when I was a very, very young man. He's played such an important role in my life uh, over the years. And, you know, I have him far back. I have him, you know, more recent. Dixie. Dixie's an awfully good listener. By the way, try her out if you, uh, if you have something you need to get off your chest. Sorry, Dixie. But, uh, but she's awfully good at lov loving people and making you feel um, important. And that really is like 80% of, of the listening right there. Um, so there. But there's been so many... Uh, uh, friends and, yeah. and dear people, for sure, for sure. Let's talk a little bit more about the, this active listening thing, and let's kind of wade into that just a little bit uh, more. There was a there was a there was a good quote by Stephen Covey, I think, that you have down in your notes. So we gotta we gotta share that. Yeah, and no no surprise to anyone. Stephen Covey says uh, most people do not listen with the intent to understand; they listen uh, with the intent to reply. You know, <laughs> we know we know that yeah. um, that is, we're we're awfully good at that. Um, you know, in in my line of work, we deal with so many people in crisis, and and that takes a particular thing. But one of the funny things about dealing with people in crisis is all of the normal complexity of being an adult have sort of gone away in crisis, and it's very very simple. There's a couple of techniques that always seem to work, and it's just interesting to know because whether the, the uh, tensions are high or the tensions are low doesn't seem to really matter. But there is a technique um, in active listening called summarizing or mirroring. Those are two different things. And what it is is, is basically saying when someone is, has repeated something more than once, if somebody is saying something emphatically in a different tone of voice than they've said everything else, repeat it back to them you're really upset by what she did to you. You'll find that even in the presence of 10 people and they're yelling at four of them and they're angry at two others and all that, you saying that even from the cheap seats will get their attention. Huh? Yeah. Our desire to be understood is so powerful that when we make the attempt to actively listen in a way and get into somebody's thinking by repeating back to them what they just said, we discount over and over how powerful that is. I think even in terms of Scripture, when Jesus is even talking to the Pharisees, 
this group that he is clearly and consistently at odds with ideologically, it seems in my mind he's starting those conversations from a very familiar point. You've heard that it's written. Why? Because that's what they've just been telling him over and over and over and over. He starts with their material Mm -hmm. and then moves from there. I think that, unfortunately, in the written word, we get an idea of God that kind of looks a lot like what we imagine him to be. But the fundamentals are that Jesus really is present in every one of these conversations. He never is sort of above the person talking and just shoe fly, don't bother me. He does not tend to do that. He stays engaged right. and stays in the fight, so to speak. Um, doesn't yield truth by any means, but I think it's a bit different than what we imagine. You know, I, I know of a scripture also that, that it makes um, some of these contexts a little more difficult. You know, don't cast pearls before swine, right? When someone stops listening, stop talking to them. There's useful points. There's useful times for that. There's no, no doubt about that. You can waste energy for energy's sake sometimes. But most of the time, we wrongly apply something like that as a value system. What I think is more important than what you think. What I think is more correct than what you think. That, right. may, that may be fundamentally so, but it does not help connection. And it certainly doesn't further our trust in listening. And so... Here's a couple of scriptures, Jordan, that are in kind of in contrast, actually, to uh, what you're just talking about that is so essential. Proverbs 18, uh, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. And then verse uh, 2 of chapter 18, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion versus then then hearing the other person summarizing, giving the reflectives back. And here's another great quote I ran into just recently. Opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge. It requires no accountability, no understanding, The highest form of human knowledge is empathy. It requires us to suspend our egos and live in another's world. It requires profound purpose larger than the self-kind of understanding. That is a powerful, powerful statement there. And so let's talk a little bit about our time is flying by on us here but let's talk a little bit about some of the benefits of active uh, listening which is uh, really a win-win but uh, it's essential for uh, we've touched on these already and in, in even in meeting new people um, it is something that we can do so easy is showing sincere interest um, learning how to ask you questions that aren't intrusive but rather invite the person to, to, to share. And I find that most people really, really appreciate that. It's like, it's important. Uh, once again, everybody wants to, to feel valued. Now, it's possible to be intrusive of that too, but those are some skills we can learn. Establishing rapport, we've touched on them. Developing relationships. Um, connecting at both an intellectual, emotional level, building trust in relationships. 
And uh, <clears throat> there's something about in the listening carefully is, um, and in that process of being very vulnerable ourselves, um, thinking long-term. And uh, when we think long-term, we begin to venture out and, and uh, um, show, exercise some humility and show weakness. Because in that whole listening thing, if it's just listening to gain understanding or to get information, then that is of no value and people can extend that. If it is to really gain understanding, there's really a, um, a flow in both directions at, because people can sense if we are willing to make our own selves vulnerable and, uh, and to share and show and share our hearts too. Let's, let's uh, just look at a couple of tips of these things, okay? These are common. I mean, everybody knows them. Um, and I think most of us practice these things maybe most of the time. Um, but a couple, three tips here in um, people who really specialize in this. They, they, they really put it as the nonverbal communication, nonverbal communication. And that is positioning ourselves in a non-aggressive posture, even just how we sit, or not too laid back. If I'm really interested in somebody, I just don't sit back like this. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just not going to work. Nobody's going to share, you know, uh, posture. And, or if I'm like this in somebody's face, that's like, whoa, buddy, back off. That's just too much, too fast. So there's that, that posture. And most of us get that. And I think culturally that there's variables there from one culture to another. But in the culture in which most of us live, we all, we all pretty well get that. And the eye contact thing is like really so huge. Um, that I think that some of us by personality, we tend to shy away and look down and fumble around a lot. And, and, uh, so that sometimes just has to do with inner courage, you know, and feeling secure in our own being and who we are, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's different factors, but it's an important one. And so the body posture, um, um, noticing the, you know, the nonverbal cues of the other person, their body, their hands, their expressions. And we listen with our eyes. Our eyes are really a huge, what is it? It really speaks about the eyes being windows to our souls. And uh, so we, we, we listen with our eyes. And with our eyes, we can notice the mood. We can notice the emotion another person is showing. Are they looking frust frustrated? Are they annoyed? Uh, they look happy. Do they look sad? And so um, this is really a, really a vital, vital part of the whole listening thing. Um, the second one is active listening involves verbal communication. So this thing of asking a good question is, is, is really a mark of a great listener. Um, I'm always amazed at some people and how skilled they are at it. Some people do it intuitively. They just do. They've had no training, but they just in, in very intuitive. And then there's others of us probably who've learned some of those things along the way and still in process, and there's uh, some of us that can still continue to learn in this and grow in how to ask the good questions, and it's really a skill uh, to be developed, but I'm not talking about just trite stuff, but meaningful things, and the, the challenge is, honestly, the challenge is, is not being too intrusive uh, with questions, but meaningful, sincere questions um, that, that, that can people um, respond to. Good listeners ask thoughtful questions, and then stop and listen. And, and just listen. Um, I think all of us know what it's like when somebody asks a question and then they turn around and answer it. It's like, not cool, you know? It's like, you know, I would have liked Do to Do you even answered. need me for this conversation? <laughs> yeah. 
You're having both yeah. sides all your own. You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> and so people then also will show their feelings before sharing them um, because of the vulnerability they feel. Um, um, how many times when, when we, somebody may say, hey, I'm fine, everything's fine, you know, no problem. But it's quite clear, you can sense the anxiety and such. And once again, those are very delicate situations. I mean, I think all of us have been times when we weren't feeling fine, but we really weren't at that point wanting anybody to ask anything uh, that's going to require us to share what's going on inside. It's just too much. And that's, those are the kind of times where we have to be so sensitive to people. And I think, you know, generally most of us really are. And um, <clears throat> sometimes people will, will come out and just say, hey, I'm really frustrated or whatever. Um, you already touched on this, but reflecting back to people, um, what you sense they're feeling uh, with verbal and nonverbal communication and, and what they're saying. And let them correct you. What I'm hearing you say is, yeah. and do I have that right? Oh, yeah, fine. What words would you use? What did I miss? Yeah. I mean, if you really want to drill down and, and connect, people can't resist it. We all want to be heard. We right. all want to be right. understood. I can know the technique. You can use it on me. I still want to respond to you. If it's sincere, it's connection. That's what we really want. And I will let the teller correct me. And then I'll know how they wouldn't use the word angry, let's say, but they're going to use the word frustrated. There's, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Very important. And I think to acknowledge emotion and feeling is like really, really important. If someone is 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 is, is really expressing sorrow and sadness and and, and such um it's important for us sometimes um not always we need to listen but it, it's it's important at sometimes to say i'm so sorry you know for the hurt that you're experiencing mm -hmm. uh, something simple but then don't go on to exhort or try to fix it it's just like i'm acknowledging that you're hurting right now or it's like you know um uh, that sounds like really frustrating if somebody's just dumping, man, I had a terrible thing that happened at work and da dee da dee da dee da It's like, oh. Or there's also time and place for this, too. You know, well, if I, if I was in your shoes, I think I'd really be upset, too, or I could really be frustrated. There's no formulas, are there? But um, there is a difference between really listening and trying to solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. If you remember our video from last week, it's not yeah. about the nail. Um, yeah. What people really, really don't want most of the time, and, and even uh, professional counselors tell us this too, is for just to jump in and start giving advice. Right. And yeah, that fixing, is probably yeah. the fixing thing the that um, most of us don't want. Now, people will usually ask if that's what they want. If I want that, um, I may just share for a while, um, and then I may say, well, Stan, what do you think? Give me some feedback. And then he'll give me feedback, see. Um, but I appreciate the patience that he has exercised if I'm just like sharing some thoughts, ideas, and uh, or maybe frustration or something. And then um, <clears throat> I ask for feedback, and he'll, he'll give feedback. So that's, that's really good. Uh, you know, giving feedback on positive emotions is just as important as sad emotions. But <clears throat> non re Non-verbal feedback is really huge, just like you're doing right now. Say you're like, mm-hmm, you're nodding, like I'm hearing you, and uh, the expression on your face tells me you're tracking with me. Say, and that's like really, really huge. How many of you ever had where you were really sharing your heart with somebody and they just sit there like stone-faced, and you're like, 
I don't like this. I think I want to quit this right now because I don't think they're listening with the heart. They may be in really, but outwardly it's like blank, hardly a blink of an eye. And uh, that's, that's just not a healthy, it's not a healthy response. Most of us don't like that. Okay. Yeah, I started to get the feeling that the barista was being insincere. Yeah. But uh, I'm working through it. Still get coffee. Well, I think we need to wrap it up. Our time of the clock just eluded us here. And um, so hopefully I appreciate some of the things that you've shared today. Actually, I appreciate all that you shared. But there were some things that you shared kind of on the fly that were like, yeah, very good, I, I very think, helpful. I think in the end, this whole conversation just keeps rattling around in my mind and in my heart that the church really needs to be good at this. Um, in the macro, in all of us, but also person to person. This is how, this is how people come to know his goodness is one by one. They might be, you know, saved by the thousands in certain places in the world, and I don't want to belittle that. That's uh, just incredible when it happens. But a real changed life, a real changed life comes through connection and life lived together and being understood. We, there's no substitute for that. You can't listen to a really great sermon and have that. So this listening thing, if it really can get into our heart, and listening, we're just using words here, but really the, the heart change of a posture toward one another is so critical. And if our, if the body of Christ can start to get that and start leaning into the world and, lo and people, lost people, man, I, I just feel like it's the prerequisite of, of his heart really starting to affect the world in some ways we haven't seen in our lifetime. On that note, some of the negative feedback that I've gotten over the years, and from numerous people, numerous situations, from a person who doesn't identify with Christ, um, may have interest, but who doesn't identify with Christ, and sometimes the reaction is towards Christians are, is that Christians are always wanting to give me another Bible verse and telling me, well, you just need Jesus. That's your fix. You just need Jesus. Let me pray with you right now. Rather than really listening and giving the person time and response, okay? Um, because we're so wired or we're so passionate, we're so excited because we know the power of Christ in our lives and such. Um, but that kind of a response towards people who are just really needing someone to listen sometimes is like the walls go up. And it's like, I don't, I'm not interested in being around this person. They're just trying to. And then the term that's used traditionally um, is they're trying to shove God down my throat. See, that tells me that we haven't done it. We're not doing a good job of really listening, if that. If the person has a hungry heart, let them ask. And if we can listen and share good things, um, let, 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 the, let the Holy Spirit um, prompt them to say, T tell me more. Right. And, you, and you're not, to your point earlier, you're not thinking long term. Right. The Holy Spirit's at work. Some yeah. people are changed in a moment. Yeah. Some people are, that's their testimony. But some people are changed over time. Yeah, that's beautiful. We don't save anyone. He does. Yeah, could you just lead us in a prayer together? We, we all need the Lord's help in this area and, and to, to grow in it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. God, that you are interested in us. Thank you that you have 
invited us into your life, never to be separated, never to be cast down. Thank you, God, that you're the kind of God that prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies. Thank you, God, that you also uh, lead us beside green pastures and still waters and you restore our soul. God, the qualities that we see in this Jesus, let us be transformed. Let us be renewed of one mind in those qualities, in that peace, in that love, in the affection for the people that you have. God, let us grow, let us learn, and never stop. We thank you that you can be trusted. We thank you that life lived with you is worth it. So God, bless everyone here today. Bless our hearts to be challenged and, and changed into your likeness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being a part.